Welcome everyone to another episode of uh, Born and Then Raised. This is Ravi speaking to you. What's up? It's Rav. And uh, yeah, today we decided to take a different approach to our episode. The last two episodes that we had were a lot focused on, you know, educating ourselves and the audience on the kind of physical structures that we have in today's society that that have resulted in systemic racism as we've come to know it. Mm-hmm. So for this episode, we just wanted to tone it down a little bit and focus more on our opinions rather than you know hitting you guys with a lot of information yeah so for today we're just going to be discussing uh, an issue that was brought up by terry cruz through his tweets that he you know he posted this week and the conversation that has sprouted as a result and basically what we think about it and towards the end we're going to touch a little bit on the nfl and the black national anthem yeah and you know obviously these are two things that don't have a lot of history historical background so we should be able to just get right into it and talk about the way we feel about it. And honestly, I, I would almost say it's it was probably a much harder episode to put together, <laughs> you know, because yeah. we spent a lot of time just trying to process and there was a lot of confusion involved. But this is what we think at this point. This is where our thoughts are and mm. would love to share those with you guys and hopefully hear what you guys think about it as well. So I guess to just start off, we can start, you know, go, go right into it and start talking yeah. about Terry Crews and the kind of tweets that he posted, right? Yeah. I mean, um, if and if you guys have, you know, seen his Twitter feed, um, I assume or I'm guessing that maybe a few of you are actually going to check right now. Uh-huh. Uh, but I'm actually specifically referring to a tweet he posted, I believe it was July 2nd, I want to say. Uh-huh. And he said, um, he said, we must ensure, well, this is the second half of the tweet, uh, but he said, we must ensure Black Lives Matter doesn't morph into Black Lives Matter better right Right. so i mean i guess the way that i saw it at first was you know it made complete sense Mm -hmm. like it made it it was a pretty reasonable thing to say but the negative side to it it started to i guess change um it started to change the direction of the conversation and that's what a lot of people who are in support of the black lives matter movement Mm -hmm. actually had an issue with you know in a way it kind of gives those who might not really agree with the existence Mm-hmm. of the black lives matter movement it kind of gives um those people kind of like an excuse or kind of one of those like oh so like you know this is more of like an aggressive movement i mean it is an aggressive right. movement but it's meant to just i mean it's not too hard to ask for equality you mm-hmm. know like it's it's a very humanistic thing to do um but credit to him is that he was pointing out you know like with every structure with every sense of um quote unquote rebellion in mm-hmm. a way there's usually a need to point out like you know checks and balances right like right. you don't i think he said the way he explained it in a in a in a separate tweet was that he doesn't want those who are oppressed to become the oppressors right right so i think it's it's what he the idea that he's getting at is very important mm-hmm. but it's more so i guess the manner that he did it in I, that's where it kind of it brought up a lot of issues for me um but it's it's tough because I can argue both sides really, and like I, concerning the interview he had with Don Lemon, uh, um, they were going back and forth, right. and he brought up the you know at first off the comment on you know Black Lives Better and Black Lives Matter, like you know there shouldn't be like a shift, right? Mm-hmm. But Don Lemon pointed out he kind of like I guess glanced over that topic, and then they started to shift into another conversation he was having regarding um, the phrase Black supremacist, right? Right. So Black Lives Better. In saying that, it directly points to this idea that, you know, 
I'm better because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. So in this situation, it would be race, right? And supremacy mm-hmm. is defined as, you know, a person or like a system that upholds um, a group of people to be better based on race or sex, usually. Right. But it could also right. just be like, you know, a specific factor, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So in this situation, a black supremacist would be someone who believes in the phrase or I guess the hashtag black lives better. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're going to you're always going to find people who are extreme on, on every side. Right. But with this situation, like what he was saying was that I think it's he was kind of saying like it was more of like a fear. Like, I don't think he was directly stating that Black Lives Matter individuals look at look at the situation as as if they were black supremacists. Mm. But I think he was kind of pointing out that this is one of his fears. And he responded by saying everyone kind of like bashing him or calling him an Uncle Tom or yeah. excuse my language, but like a coon or whatever it may or whatever it may be, he said that those people bashing him and attacking him were in and of themselves black supremacists. Which I kind of thought. I mean, he was kind of like he's kind of like at that point. It's I I just thought it was more of like a defensive thing he was doing, mm-hmm. but I could understand where he was coming from. Like he just kind of wants black people as well to realize that we are equal amongst mm-hmm. ourselves, right. and that in and of itself brings in a whole nother conversation. That that's actually needed, right? Like I think we earlier we compared it to kind of like the All Lives Matter movement, in mm-hmm. that like you know responding and saying that like responding to Black Lives Matter with All Lives Matter, in a way it kind of just I guess deviates the conversation and it allows people to kind of just like make another conversation when it really wasn't there in the first place. Right. Like I think I think with him, right when he when he was referring to the Black Lives Matter not morphing into Black Lives Better, and we saw it too when he was having that interview with Don Lemon. Yeah. He said it was a warning. You know, he wasn't necessarily saying that's where it's going. But um, I guess we could almost liken it to the con- you know, the the whole thing that happened with J. Cole and No Name, right? And yeah. it's like it it matters when and how you say certain things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because a message that's pure and good might be taken the wrong way. And I think that's what happened a lot with Terry Crews. Like when you when you see the point that he's trying to make as far as not turning into this black lives better thing you know it's it's real it's true okay like if you think about it i'm pretty sure the individuals who are very extreme about black lives matter probably and have gotten to a point where they have convinced themselves that because of this quote-unquote resilience perhaps they Mm -hmm. tend to be better than white people okay Mm -hmm. and like we can sit here obviously and talk about how that resilience obviously comes as a result of oppression and if you eliminate that oppression maybe that resilience disappears as well like it's not a genetic thing that black people are hardworking. Yeah. Okay. Like it has yeah, come no, as yeah. a result of social pressure and it's a necessity for you to be this hungry individual, this, you know, tough individual because of what society is. So I guess if you take away those social pressures, so does those characteristics, right? So we can we can obviously talk about that and I'm I, I strongly believe that that's that's the case. But I think the issue with him was that he pointed it out in a way so, almost as if he's saying Black Lives Matter does that as an organization. Yeah. And I think that's where the issue was because there wasn't a lot of clarity as far as identifying who in particular mm-hmm. he was referring to. It made it seem like he was attacking everyone who's talking about Black Lives Matter. And as somebody who's a huge influential figure in the black community, mm-hmm. I can understand why there's frustration from people from him, you know, him yeah. saying that because anything that looks as you disagreeing with black lives matter potentially weakens the movement. And I think that that's what a lot of people were were saying that like, I get what you're trying to say, but if you're saying it in response to black lives matter, you're trying to point out a flaw possibly that this organization has. Mm -hmm. And by you doing that, you just allow people that are 
against the movement to have more ammo against it or to use yeah. that as a scapegoat right like it's yeah it, it's like if you have if we have issues amongst ourselves as black people then how can we expect white people to be able to help us out when we haven't figured it out ourselves and i think that's what people are yeah, going at it's like we have to be unified about this movement so as to you know have the greatest impact on those mm-hmm. people that need to change so i think i think that was that was the major thing about the first part of his argument at least right because yeah. there's a second part but i think the first part about it wasn't necessarily that there was any disagreement to it or at least i hope not it was more of his execution and 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 yeah. you know and he's I'm, asking a he's asking an important question right it's just honestly the timing like, right you know him asking the question of like you know there's more to be done mm-hmm. for the black community mm-hmm. that's a question we can kind of ask a little bit later on but right. like you know i think it was it was shannon sharp he said on um he said on he said on his show with Skip Bayless. He said like, "Can we at least get to the Black Lives Matter? Right. Like, can we at least get to Black Lives Equal, and then we can continue?" Right. But it's tough because having such an intersectional issue, mm-hmm. it it causes a lot of you know it creates a lot of layers and it makes the conversation a lot harder right. than it originally was. I, right. th- I think it's I guess it's also a matter of like you know for him like like you said before like you know mm-hmm. with with Black Lives Matter movement it's tough because there's no significant leader like there's no like there's no mlk there's no Mm -hmm. malcolm x right and by having that it helps right you know it helps because you can't just shut down a movement and by by removing one one person person, yeah exactly but what you can do like what what also what the complications come like what complications come along with that Mm -hmm. is the idea that you know a lot of people can speak in its name and for some, like, oh, that's representative of Black Lives Matter. When it's, it, yeah. it, it may not, right, it may not right, actually be right, the case. Right. So, with some people, or at least, or at least the general consensus that I think the way Black Lives Matter is meant to, or the idea that it's meant to express, is that there's issues among police brutality and the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. Right. The way that I think you and I talk about it, or at least you know, well, regarding the show, we've talked mostly about the criminal justice system, and then also, you know beyond that you know whether with with, whether with prison whether with Mm -hmm. like you know social issues whatever it may be Mm -hmm. but i think with us even in our own time we talk about black lives matter beyond like beyond these these structures we talk about it as a systemic inequality you know socially whether it's Mm -hmm. like we talk about maybe like even with our friends we've talked about microaggressions we've talked about you know these smaller things that no you know you don't see them like between an authority figure and you know a subordinate Mm -hmm. but it's just but you acting this way on your day-to-day life is a consequence of Of this system of that system yeah so i think i mean for us anyways like black lives matter it's far far deeper than any legal legislation that anyone has ever put in place i mean yes we've talked about it and yes that's where the roots lie Mm -hmm. where the roots lie but I think for, like, I guess the way that, like, or I guess the differences that I see between, you know, African-Americans and, you know, other groups of people, it's it's social. Right. It's purely social and it's humanitarian. Right. So with Terry Crews, I think he, what, what the issue was is that he managed to pin Black Lives Matter around, I guess, a more broad topic. Mm. And he was saying that, like, you know, like, it is a very, and that's the thing, like, that I agree with him. Like, it is a very, I think Black Lives Matter runs deeper than just police brutality. Yeah. Right? Like, it's simple. It's simple. If It would mm. be very simple if it was just around police brutality. But oh, it would be way it's easier. A, it's definitely deeper than that. Yeah. Exactly. So, I guess that's kind of like him bringing that up. For, I think, a lot of people, it's such a serious and massive conversation that mm. a lot of people were upset 
and they were kind of taken off guard because it was it was kind of like someone saying it's kind of like you wanting to solve this math problem and then your professor saying oh but you know understand that this is just one piece of the puzzle we're gonna need you to like you know score perfect on your sat and it's like i just want to get past geometry honestly like it's like it's kind of like it's one of those i just want to pass this question Mm -hmm. so it's I look at, you know, the way he handled it and it, yes, it could have been done better, but I think, mm-hmm. you know, someone has to ask that question, you know, like how much right. deeper can we go? Because he was even right. bringing up, I think it was, he was even bringing up the concept where it's like, you know, nine, I believe he said it was nine black children were like shot and killed mm-hmm. due to gun violence in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's awful. And he was saying, and then he pointed out and said, oh, but the Black Lives Matter movement hasn't said anything about this. And right. The reason be, and the reason for that is because if Black Lives Matter starts to take on a greater like, you know, like this this massive beast that is systemic racism, mm-hmm. like all at once, it's going to cause it's it's way too massive. And you're going to have a lot of people with a dissenting opinion simply saying that, like, oh, well, what about these issues? What about this issues? Mm-hmm. And that's what leads me to, I guess, the question about black on black crime. And for right. me. That phrase is so it's so sensationalized and it's it's getting kind of old. Right. Mm -hmm. Because when you look at it, it's like or at least the way that, you know, you've kind of seen history, I guess, progress. If we go back to, I guess, believe I believe it was the second episode and we were talking about. No, actually, it was last episode. Geez. We're talking about um, the Confederate flag. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about, you know, birth of a nation and the way that black people were portrayed in that. Right. It's first off, black people were portrayed as villainous and, you know, evil and doing all these wrong things. And they use that as a method to support segregation. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you want to call it, I guess you could say black violence was used at one point to segregate black people and white people. Like Mm -hmm. that was the justification. Mm -hmm. Then you fast forward to around, you know, the civil rights movement. Then all of a sudden people are using this. Then like you kind of see it change from black violence to black on black violence. right? Right. Right. And when you think about it, It's like you put black people in the same community with other black people, or if you put white people in the same community as other white people, what do you think is going to happen? We're all Mm -hmm. human. It's crime. Crime is going to happen. That's like, that's the way I see it. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm really sick and tired of hearing black on black crime and not hearing, I don't know, white on white crime, Asian on Asian crime. Like you don't hear that. You know why? Because like there's no need to sensationalize the concept of white on white crime. Who, who benefits from that? Mm -hmm. No one. Like who benefits from social like from sensationalizing Asian on Asian crime, mm. you know Hispanic on Hispanic crime? Like no one benefits from doing that. But there was at one point a group of people who benefited from saying black on black crime, and I believe that that was that was the situation, and that's the case after the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. You know, at one point you use this villainous and this like evil way of explaining you know black people as as a way to segregate, and then after that you use black violence, which I mean it's violence is going to happen in every community. Like it's, right. it, violence is going to happen. Like, I mean, of course, you know, um, part of the argument we've heard, I guess, against that whole thing is when people try to look at the numbers. And I think mm. we addressed this, I, I want to say, probably a second episode, perhaps. And it, it, we, were, we were talking about the fact that when you look at how black communities have historically have been poor communities, there is an expectation that there's more crime in a poor community than a world like a wealthy community right yeah. like just that alone should tell you that if if black communities are poor there's going to be more crime there it, I, I don't i think of course yeah we'll get into the whole racial aspect of the whole black on black crime whatever but mm-hmm. i think that before we even go that deep it's important to note that it would be worrying if the numbers weren't you know weren't weren't the way that they are 
because the way I look at it, okay, apart from proximity, obviously, there's going to be more black on black crime just because they live together. You know, geographical location prohibits them from committing crimes against white people relatively easily okay Mm -hmm. just like white on white crime is probably more than white on black crime because they just don't come in contact with each other as often okay we're talking as a general sense as in in the general sense obviously like i think we're as time has progressed that has become less and less true but if we're looking at historically at least we're talking like late 90s i guess like we could we could look at it that way and be like in terms of location alone it would make sense why black on black crime is probably a bigger thing than any sort of interracial crime between white and black people Mm -hmm. However, it's also this additional concept, right, that black communities are also poor. Yeah. And, you know, crime is viewed in a black community as a means to put food on the table, you know, at least in a poor community as, as a means to put food on the table. And that may not be necessarily the case in a, in a white community or a wealthy community. And, you know, it goes back to that right before we started recording this episode, you were asking me. And you're saying, when I say black on black crime, what's the first thing you think of? And then when I say white on white crime, what do I think of? And it's like, it sucks to say, but immediately I was like, oh, if you say black on black, I'm thinking all gangs. I'm thinking guns. I'm thinking someone getting shot on the street just for walking or doing something, you know what I mean? Like something stupid. And when I think white on white crime, it's like, oh, this guy kills this, his wife's lover because, oh, he found them. He found the two of them cheating on him, whatever. You know know what I mean? Like it's, it's like already you can tell that my perception of the whole thing is that oh, black people are probably in a poor community where they have to kill to survive, kind of. Yeah. And, like, white people kill because they want to. You know what I mean? Not that it's the case, but just if we're if we're looking at it strictly from a... Perspective, like, what's, what exactly. is our perspective on the situation? Yeah, that, that's that's how we see it. Do I sit here and deny the fact that there is there are some racial tones to it that, that probably we should discuss? No, absolutely not. I, mm. I, I, won't, I won't discredit that. But I think that... When we say it, well, at least the people that try to use black on black crime as a means to justify treating black people the way that they're treated, it's kind of like, what did you expect? Yeah. That's how I look at it. Like it's when like, you look at the history, it's like truly what were you, right. what what did you expect based on like even what has developed within right. the past like hundred years? And it looks like it's just like when slavery, when the Emancipation Proclamation happened, what did you expect? Yeah. You let those guys go with nothing, no no means to feed themselves, no money, nothing. What did you expect to happen? Exactly. You know? So it's like, it just it just bothers me when, when the whole black-on-black crime argument is brought about by from the wrong perspective. Yeah. Like, I think that if you're going to say black-on-black crime, you need to understand everything about it and mm-hmm. then realize that black-on-black crime as a black person's failure to look at another black person as being equal with anyone else in society yeah. is only one part of it. Yeah. It's not the whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, I mean... When looking at Terry Crews and his tweets, I guess his Mm -hmm. idea of bringing up, you know, there's also issues in the black community we have to face. Right. They are important. Mm -hmm. However, right now is, in my opinion, not really quite the best time to bring that up. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, yes, he was pointing out that, you know, there are murders still being committed and it's awful. Don't get me wrong. But that's crime. You know, like for me, the way I look at it is like it is crime. It's awful, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to be the person to feed into the whole concept of sensationalizing crime within a black community. Right. You know, like there isn't crime done in other areas. Right. And it's not like there there aren't racial undertones. And it's not like systemic racism hasn't played a part in that as well. Mm -hmm. So I believe, you know, as long as you can or at least you can start to tear that down, handling crime becomes 
much easier. Right. You know, right. or at least that that's just the way that, you know, I started to see it after quite some time thinking about it. Yeah. And I and I think that, you know, like you raise a good point, obviously, by saying there's systemic undertones. And I, and, and I ex- we explained this to each other, obviously, before yeah. this and came to an understanding. But what I think it is, is like I think he was trying to point out the fact that black on black crime and I'm going to we're going to use that term loosely. Right. Just so yeah. everyone understands what we're talking about, even though we both don't like the term, but. Black on black crime, I guess the way you was looking at it is the fact that it's um, ourselves as black people not being able to recognize ourselves as being equal with white people or another race. Yeah. So in in a way, it's kind of like um, a black person committing a violent crime against this other black person because I guess he realizes that the consequences aren't as severe mm-hmm. as if it was against a white person. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, well, our lives don't matter, so if we kill each other it's not really a big deal like i guess yeah. that's 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 what he's getting at and i think that obviously there is a connection there with with systemic racism right like if we look at we talked about this again previously and we look at how there's a discrepancy between um violent crimes that are solved when the victim is a white person versus the ones when it's a black person so yes in in the justice system there seems to be a more laid-back approach to violent crime when it involves a black victim and i guess that plays into um, the villain in a sense, right? And and, mm. and and this theory or understanding that the black community has had as to the value of their lives. Yeah. And yeah, I, I understand. Like, you know, black people probably devalue themselves as a result of the system. And I think what you're saying is if we if we can take care of the systemic racism as far as our judicial system as the Black Lives Matter movement aims to do, mm-hmm. we'll get to a point where we can start looking at black on black crime as just crime and then figuring ways to stop that, right? Like Yeah. I believe that there's work to be done, but I think it's an it's an after we've 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 established this. Okay, like yeah. just just by looking at it morally, we have to fight a we have to fight violence against the group of people that's meant to protect and serve, versus just another civilian. Mm-hmm. Because to me, I feel even if the numbers don't suggest this, it's scarier to think that a policeman might be the death of you than a former citizen who might have motive. Yeah, I think I think that's that's yeah. that's where I'm at f- for myself. I think that obviously, if we're to say which one should we deal with first, hundred percent police brutality, mm. in my opinion. Like, let's get that out of the way before we start yeah. talking about how you know people in the black community are killing each other because you know this is a group of people that we've put at, on a high pedestal in society to protect and serve. So, mm. I guess for me, that's just how I feel, and yeah. I think if we go about it that way and we eradicate that systemic racism, and I guess even as black people understand that black lives matter, mm-hmm. and in ourselves start to truly believe that we're just as equal as other races are, we're at the same level, mm-hmm. I think our if if that perception of ourselves changes even, like you're saying, like crime in a way will shift if the perspective changes. Like we'll see yeah. changes within crime and then at that point we can just start dealing with it as crime and not this black on black violence or black on black crime as as we've come to know it, right? Exactly. And I mean I guess it's for me, I mean like I was saying earlier, it just ties into like how history has seen mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we like like I said, like even after the civil rights movement, you started to see there was this political like unrest and there's like this political division between both Democrats and Republicans. Mm-hmm. And there's this argument that like to think that like, oh, who's going to be harsher on crime? Right. Like back in the 80s, right. I believe it was the 80s, 90s, there was this constant tug of war to see like, oh, who's going to be more harsh on crime? Who's mm-hmm. going to do it? Who's going to do it? And it started to come at the expense of minorities. Mm. Right. So yeah. 
there's just like this constant back and forth of like you know wanting to i guess keep this one group of people down at the expense of at least at the benefit of you know a group of people meaning like you know politicians or whatever or whoever it was like the higher ups or the elite i guess you can call it but i think once we can change that perspective that you know black on black crime this isn't some, this isn't something that like you know should be absolutely just like you know hammered on right like it's it's crime like we need to handle crime as a whole yeah you know and it's it's unfortunate yeah. that that we're kind of at a point in time where you know just the phrase black on black crime has come has actually turned into this idea where we look in it in our minds and we're like okay black on black crime looks worse than white on white crime yeah yeah you should just hate crime period, period right yeah. and it's i guess it kind of plays into this like i guess it also looks at or at least the way that i see it is that you know this idea that black people or i guess you know issues within the black community have become so i guess i guess valued and devalued it's like you kind of like black people are kind of like the, a massive talking point right like it's uh-huh. this massive serious important like you know movement and I saw something like earlier, I believe it was like Terry Crews like referred to it, but like someone pointed out that, you know, Black Lives Matter, blah, 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 like this, like it's a political divisive movement, right? Mm. To me, I don't think Black Lives Matter is political. I've said this to almost everyone I've talked to about it, but I hate when it's turned into a political conversation. Mm -hmm. I personally think that America as a whole, we take conversations that really have no business being political and turn them political like you know you're gonna hear democrats say like oh no we need to talk about this we need to talk about this and it's part of an agenda you're gonna hear republicans sit mm-hmm. here and say oh like the, the the democrats are doing this they're doing that mm-hmm. you know like and that's part of their agenda it's mm-hmm. like i believe that black lives matter isn't political purely based off the fact that you're gonna find political parties try to use that as a, as one of their talking points and it's like whoever seems to win over this group seems to win and like that that's what i feel like we need to get out of that mindset that this is like a political thing right i just think i don't care what part of political party you're part of Mm -hmm. just tell me if you care about this x y and z Mm -hmm. you know it's creating division where we shouldn't have it like we shouldn't have we should not be disagreeing about the fact that black lives matter right we shouldn't it's it's so menial and so I mean, it's it's not menial, but like it's so it's such a simple concept mm-hmm. that like the only way that as a country we would find a way to disagree about it is politically. That's the only that's like the only lens that I could see this through where all of a sudden I might start to disagree. But the second you remove that lens, it becomes a lot easier. So that's like, you know, it, I guess that ties to, I guess, Terry Crews and his view on black on black crime, because mm-hmm. he I believe for him there starts to become a little bit more of like a a political i guess take on it mm. and i think we once you can remove that it's a whole lot easier to support the movement because you're trying to support something that's just humane right you know so i mean as much as i do appreciate what he was saying and i appreciate that like you know he's trying to expand the conversation i think he should also recognize that you know right now might not be the best time to just throw mm. that into the public space because right. there are people who will use this idea and turn it into a, this is now like, you know, a talking point for me in terms of, you know, disagreeing with black lives matter. Right. Right. You know, yeah. but that being said, I mean, I guess we can move forward into the NFL. Um, I don't know if everyone's noticed, but 
the NFL recently stated that they were going to be playing the Black National Anthem ahead of week one. Yeah. Um, I mean, what's what's your take on it? Because I know I have a very uh, potent... a very potent um forward outlook on it but um at the same time i I like to be neutral regarding these things so we'll see yeah um obviously like most people when they first heard it were like wow there's a black national anthem i didn't even know this right (laughs) (laughs) as uneducated as as i might feel (laughs) hearing that it's like it still was just a surprise to me so i guess um we had to find out first what it was, and I guess I'll share that briefly before I really get into what I think about it. So yeah. the name of the song is actually Lift Every Voice and Sing, and apparently it was written and composed in the in the early 1900s, and, uh, but it was dubbed the Negro National Anthem by the NAACP in 1919. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they did this is because it's like a, it's sort of a Thanksgiving song set to reflect on the progress from slavery to like the current times, you know. Um, yeah. I think they used the exam. I, I don't know. It's it's used a lot in like Christian hymns, I guess, and it's related to Exodus, like people leaving, yeah, and you know, going to promised land, whatever, um, being freed and going moving into the promised land. So I guess that's that was kind of what they were hinting at, and yeah, it's it's regarded a cry for liberation and uh, affirmation for Black Americans, right? Yep. Um. So, like you said, the NFL is set to play this at the start of every game for all the week one games, you know, when the league starts, if it starts at the appropriate time, whatever. But, um, yeah, like I said, right. The first thing that I thought was, what is this? <laughs> you know, yeah. what is the black national anthem and coming to learn? Um, I don't know. I just feel like if we have to have a version of the national anthem regarded as a black national anthem, then I guess that speaks to what the other national anthem becomes. Like, mm. how, do we have a black national anthem and a white national anthem, or is it a black national anthem and a everyone national anthem? And it's like it it gets very murky at that point. And I think that yeah. the league obviously is trying to do something. It, it's it's supposed to be a good gesture to show solidarity for the Black Lives Matter movement and the black people, African Americans that are you know in the league, and there are lots of them. So I guess I see what they're trying to do, but it just brings about more confusion. Yeah, that's how I look at it. Like I think it's it's very confusing, and um, we're watching uh, Shannon Sharp, and he had a very emotional reaction to this. You know, he's loud as we know, and he's very aggressive when he when he talks about anything that he cares about. But like, yeah, he obviously had a similar reaction to this, and it's like he raised a good point. You know, I feel what give us something more tangible is what is how I feel about it. You know, like just saying, oh, we're gonna sing the Black National. What is that? You know, like nobody asked for that. Yeah. You know, like I think exactly. I think it's a great gesture, but we're past the time where a great gesture is good enough. Mm-hmm. Like no, we we have to start true. seeing actual tangible change. And for an organization as influential and as huge as the NFL, it's a little disappointing that that's the best they could come up with. In yeah. my opinion, in my opinion, like I think, that's yes, symbolic true. gestures are great, but at least symbolic gestures that come directly from the people being affected, you know, like if it was, if it was a request from, um, the black lives matter movement or, or any of the activists, I'll be like, okay, I can understand what they're doing, but it's kind of like, if you go ahead and do something like that, do you ought to be a hundred percent sure that you, you know, it's going to help rather than now we're in this situation where it's come out and yeah. we're out here debating what it is. And, you know, now we're disappointed. Now it's another talking point when we could, they could have just, 
asked for help if they needed to, I guess, or, or heard mm-hmm. from what the people really wanted. And I think yeah. that, you know, the NFL has so many other things they could be doing to show their support for the Black Lives Matter movement. Like sports in general, you know, it's huge. Like you look at NASCAR, for example, and it's like, what they did was amazing like you know you look at you look at the whole thing with the confederate flag and it's like this is actual progress this is actual change being done and you know it's actual change too when you see the number of people that are against it that's when you know like it's it's really something important what's interesting about this black national anthem is because nobody like nobody said anything it's like Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like a joke but it's not yeah you know and i mean i guess the way that like i saw it like i don't know if I, I'm not sure. Like, I can't be a thousand percent on it, but mm-hmm. like, let's say that this was the case. Um, I'm pretty sure Colin Kaepernick had a meeting with Roger Goodell not too long ago, right? Okay. Like after the, everything started like going on, right? Eventually, I think it was Colin Kaepernick ended up ha- ended up having a meeting with him, and I guess that's when they started talking about a lot of different changes that could be going on. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Colin Kaepernick suggested this, mm-hmm. but honestly, I think personally, or I think as a community, I believe the Black Lives Matter movement Mm -hmm. would have been more appreciative of, I guess, the NFL commissioner going out and stating that, you know, we stand behind our athletes. We want to do more. We're going to be listening to the Players Association. We're going to reach out to our state, like to the state officials that, you know, each team has, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or, like, or guess who who can they talk to, right? right? Reaching out, kind of creating that connection between, I guess, politics and the common and common people, like you know, or athletes and politics, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just just how like LeBron said, like he doesn't want to just shut up and dribble. Like you know, there has to be more being right. done. Like I mean, a lot of these athletes, a lot of these athletes are on a very high pedestal, mm-hmm. right? But you have some of these NFL owners not saying a thing. Like I saw. The Cowboys, like it was like a Cowboys D tackle, and he openly stated, I believe it was, I, I think he was like um, featuring on like a podcast, if I'm not mistaken, but he openly said that, you know, all these players are saying things, whether they agree, whether they disagree, whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? He said, what I want to hear is what Jerry Jones has to say about all this, because right. Jerry Jones is the owner of the Cowboys, very, very outspoken man. Like he's mm-hmm. he's the type to go up to his player and be like, you're cut. And he doesn't even know if he has that power, but like it's Jerry Jones, like you know mm-hmm. he's he's run this dynasty, whether it be into the ground, like or whether like you know up, like it's <laughs> I mean it's whatever you see. If you're yeah. a Cowboys <laughs> fan, you feel like you ran into the ground. Let's be real, but you know you kind of like Jer- you look at Jerry Jones and he's one of the most popular NFL owners mm-hmm. there are, like mm-hmm. there is besides right, right. Bob Kraft. But like he he is outspoken and he said like you know he's shown his support whether it was honest or not. He went out and he said something, but Jerry Jones, who's the owner of, you know, the Cowboys, he didn't say anything and he hasn't said anything. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are starting to point that out. And, you know, it's not like the commissioner can force the owners to outright go outright and say something. Mm -hmm. But like in this situation, I don't want a repeat of like a Donald Sterling. Like, I don't want to hear, you know, about all these NFL owners being completely silent on the topic. And then within a month, you kind of hear them say like, oh, like. They were caught on tape saying this very racist or very disgusting like slur to like one of like their colleagues or whatever, and it's like, I I didn't want to hear that. Like I I really right. don't. I don't want to know that if if I was an NFL athlete, like, I don't want to know that the guy who runs the who owns this team mm-hmm. is a complete racist. Like it's not, it's not very satisfying. Mm-hmm. It's it's really not. It's in fact it's infuriating, right? And to know that he's benefiting off of all these athletes who have to deal with these day-to-day issues Mm -hmm. is absurd. Mm -hmm. 
There's there's no way that that should be the case. So honestly, I would have been more appreciative of the NFL going outright and saying that like, hey, we want to do more. We want to show support. You like we'll be meeting with a lot of um, individuals who are you know high ranking individuals within the Black Lives Matter movement. We'll right. be talking to a lot of our athletes. This mm-hmm. is what we'll be. This is what we'll be doing. We'll be educating ourselves. Mm-hmm. You saying we're going to play the black national anthem immediately, immediately tells me that you just went into a history book, you saw something, and you were like, ah, this is good enough. Right. You know, like, and, and that's the thing. Like, to me, this is like a response to the kneeling of the national anthem. Mm. And it's it's kind of like one of those, like, oh, like, well, because, I mean, I remember, like, after it happened, a lot of people, like, after Colin Kaepernick started kneeling, a lot of people were saying, like, oh, like, if you don't like the national anthem, you should just get out of our country, go somewhere else, right? Move to Canada. So instead of just saying that, like, hey, there is something wrong with this country, you just go out and, you know, say, like, I mean, hey, like, we're not going to let them kneel for the national anthem anymore. We're just going to, you know, play their song. And hopefully that makes them happy. Like, you know, like, I'm... This isn't meant to be one of the situations where you pacify, right? It's like right. in an ideal world, you know, at least personally for me, I want to be an American. The just just the concept of being an American, it's 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 beautiful in thought. It's beautiful in thought to be equal, to be part of the wow. land of the free. Wow. It is a beautiful idea. But when that's not the case, it's the most frustrating thing on the planet. Like it's like it's you kind wow. of look at it and you're like I don't want to be a part of this anymore if you're not going to uphold your end of the deal. That's the way I see it. It's like, so like that's kind of what I see as the, the Black National Anthem. Like, and I get it. The NAACP, great, great organization, right? Mm-hmm. But I think even if they look at it today, it's like, you know, at this point, being equal is good. Like, I will gladly pledge allegiance to this flag once you can uphold your end of the deal. 1,000%. Like, mm-hmm. I, will be, I will be one of the first people to say, God bless America. Once... They can uphold the end of like once America can uphold their end of the deal, it's fine. But until then, it's like why why would I show that kind of support? Well, that's that's I don't know that that whole thing when you're when you're talking about how you just want to be an American that you know I think that just made me realize even even more so that how messed up the you know the black national anthem as a concept is. It, it really you know, is because an in a idea. way it's it's sort of acknowledging the fact that to be american means to not be black yeah and that's messed up you know and it's like obviously i don't think that was the intention at all but it's like when you look at it you know like i like i said when i first said this how do you have a black national anthem and then a national anthem what does that even mean does that mean the national anthem the one without no prefix means white is that what it is now or is it oh we're together but there has to be an additional national anthem because the one that we have doesn't really touch on this group of people and in a way that kind of segregates right black yeah. people from the rest of america because it's like you need an entirely different national anthem for it to mean anything to you because the one that we have is a fallacy yeah and, and i feel like it's, and it, it's a it, cop-out it, it, yeah it absolutely is like how about you address the the real issues with if you see it the national anthem as it currently is not that i'm saying they are but it's like mm. You can't you cannot give an alternative to something that's supposed to unify everyone. Yeah. You know, like the whole concept of a national anthem is this message that is the embodiment of what it means to be a citizen in this country, right? Like when I think yeah. of the Zimbabwe national anthem, there's no Zimbabwe national anthem for the Chaumas. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. We don't have our own separate segment. When I look at mm. it, it's everybody, whether you're Sean and Debele, white, black, whoever you are, right? Whether mm. your ancestors are 
African if you're British because we have a lot of those. Yeah. But it's it's a together thing and we all sing it together and 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 there is pride in it. Okay. Like when I yeah. sing the Zimbabwe national anthem, I have pride in the message and it's a representative of everyone who is Zimbabwean. Mm. Okay. At no point, at no point did I ever, it never crossed my mind that a national anthem could be only representative of a certain group of people within that country and there needs to be an alternative. I don't know why that concept has even become acceptable. Yeah. And and, and I, of course I understand that when it, when it first came out, it was regarded as the black national anthem, obviously for whatever reasons in the past, mm. but I don't think that they ever perceived it to have been an alternative to the national anthem or at least something that comes with it. I mean, I think it, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I think it was at that time mm. an alternative because at that time, African-Americans still weren't considered wholly U.S. citizens until the civil rights movement. Right. So like at that time, I feel like it's, it's an alternative that was at that point necessary. It was at that point, it was at okay. that point necessary yeah. to say like, okay. you know, Hey, we are glad to be freed from slavery. Let us continue. And that thing, I think at that point they realized they still weren't considered equal because segregation was still a thing. Uh, Jim Crow laws were still a thing. Fair enough. Right. So I think it wasn't until I guess the civil rights movement where all of a sudden we are expected to be wholly, you know, like citizens just as much as the next Joe Schmo. Uh-huh. But it seems like that's not the case. So like, that's why I feel like today it would be ridiculous to sit here and say that we need a black national anthem. Right. Like I understand, like, I mean, I guess that that plays into the concept of, I guess, independence day, right? July 4th and, you know, Juneteenth, that, that kind of like, I guess, dichotomy. So the way I see it is July 4th, I want to be able to celebrate July 4th with a joy. Like I want to be able to celebrate that, with, you know, independence, you know, like we were, we established these rules that everyone is created equal. Yes. We had a lot of bumps in the roads, a lot, a lots of, a lots of bumps in the road, you know, with, with slavery and, you know, Jim Crow laws and all that stuff. But if imagine if we were to get to the day where everyone was truly equal, I would celebrate July 4th. It'd be like, wow, it took a lot, but we did it. And I'd also celebrate Juneteenth and be like, Hey, we also did this. And I, I would, I would encourage white people as well at that point if we were all considered equally legally socially there's not these stigmas and these stereotypes mm-hmm. at that point i believe white people would have to would it would be cool if white people celebrated juneteenth because it's a step for the country as a whole as a whole yeah like you know like i don't want to look at this and be like oh white people can't celebrate juneteenth because they they didn't you know they they actually wanted it to be the case no not all white people wanted that to be the case mm. right like i i believe that there we i want to get to the point where you know Everyone can celebrate these steps that we took as a society. Yes, there's a special sense of pride being black and saying, okay, yeah, no, like as black people in this country, they absolutely took that step, right? Right? Mm -hmm. Like we took that step. We took that step. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a special sense of pride there. But at the same time, once they're considered equal, I consider, you know, like a white person to be like my brother the same way as I consider a black person to be my brother. Yes, there's a difference. But like as a country, we took that step forward. Right. Uh, so until then, I can't look at this country as being completely unified. Like I, I don't consider the United States of America to truly be united. There are some states who hate other states for simple reasons. Uh, right. Like there's still a massive difference between the North and the South. There's still a massive right. social distance, whether it is distasteful, whether it is hateful, whether it's respectful, whatever it is. But uh-huh. I, I have a feeling it's not all respectful. You know, like 
you it's it's simply looking at the fact that you know you hear northerners being considered yankees like it's just like that in and of itself it, it's meant to have a negative connotation right. So, like, there's already, like, it's we're really not as united as a lot of people think. And I think for, for black people, it's easier to see that than maybe a lot of white people can. Right. So, until, I guess, there's a true sense of unity, I feel like there's it's really, it's pointless to sit here and say, like, you know, that the national anthem is, is a true national anthem. And, so. uh, and obviously, you know, like, I think that, you know, staying neutral, obviously, I was infuriated when I first heard this because that's just my own thing, opinion of it. And it kind of bothered me that an alternative was, quote unquote, necessary. But I think what what's truly what bothers me, you know, from a factual point of view, is the fact that the league is adopting an alternative to the national anthem without addressing the other issues as to why that alternative is necessary. Mm, so it kind of feels yeah. like to me it's just a band-aid on a wound because we don't want to investigate what the real problem is and yeah. talk about that. And I think when it as far as holding people accountable, you know, we have to hold an organization like the NFL accountable because it's huge and it has tremendous influence yeah. and they pride themselves on this idea that, you know, we listen to our players and we trying to we're trying to develop an environment where everyone plays fair and everyone's at the same level. And I think you know, obviously, I don't like to do this with everyone. You know, like we've spoken about it, and we say we don't like to personally attack anybody for the kind of things that they're doing. It's more like trying to educate. But when it comes to the league, it's like if you're gonna go right ahead and do something as drastic or as huge as saying we're gonna play the black national anthem, then at least have something where you're talking about why you think that's necessary. Yeah, and and I think that's what's that's what's lacking here. So I I hope that from the public outcry there's going to be some change we're going to hear some things in the coming days you know hearing what their response to the whole situation is but yeah. as of right now what they've decided to change and what they the gesture they've decided to put up front for me is just not good enough yeah no i completely agree i completely agree but yeah i think that is going to wrap up our episode you know two yep. quick shorter uh topic well shorter is you know objective like, subjective <laughs> but yeah you know just two quick topics um and also just a shout out to everyone who you know sent in suggestions for uh future episodes okay. we are going to be talking about those things um it's just unfortunately just because there's so much to really talk about yeah. so we're going to try to break this down and just planning um, honestly exactly and we want to give each topic their due diligence mm -hmm. like you know we want to make sure that each topic is fully respected and fully covered in its entirety um but we will be talking about them in future episodes and try to like i guess group them together um sometime in the future but right, uh, so yeah stay tuned for that and um we will be shifting over to um other topics um you know not just staying within the black lives matter mm -hmm. realm but uh there is actually uh another topic that I know it's near and dear to uh, Ravi's heart, and I know it's near and dear to me, too. Um, but, again, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, you know, just stay tuned for next week. Cheers. Peace. <laughs>